Well, great music from the choir and orchestra, or orchestra today. Uh, uh, Scott leading us in that song. Uh, Symbolic music from the Brooklyn Tabernacle Church, Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, one of the great churches in the country. I love the music they share, the message. that and, and, and that church is in constant revival. So we pray that music brings us to revival day by day in our own faith. If we've not met, I'm Pastor Mike Ramsdale. We're in the second week of a series we're calling Revival. And we have a journey we're doing together leading into the fall to celebrate ongoing transformation as a church and how also we're going to change our world around the focus today, of course, of revival. We began last week with, it, with talking about how it begins with us and how it moves beyond that into us together. And this message title today is All Together. Uh, as, a, as a young Christian, and I say young Christian, I, I came to Christ at the age of 20, as many of you know. Uh, I grew up in the church, but really had no personal walk with God until the age of 20 when I was in the Navy. And one of the first things that I did was, and it wasn't really accidental, I think God actually directed it, and that was uh, I, I came to Christ on a Sunday night, watch, three or four o'clock in the morning, and on Wednesday I went to a Bible study that a friend invited me to attend. I had not known existed before, had no idea it was there, but I was invited, and so I went. It was on a Wednesday. Uh, it was young people study, some high school kids, some Navy uh, young men and women were together in that study. And for the first time in my life, I paid attention. Uh, we looked at uh, the Bible together. Uh, we studied a psalm that's called the Sailor's Psalm, which was good because I was in the Navy. Uh, and that psalm simply said that God was with us. And no matter where we are, even if we dwell in the remotest part of the sea, I still remember that there that day, that Wednesday night in that study that evening. Uh, we also moved to uh, the Gospel of John. Excuse me, not the Gospel of John, First John. And I didn't know there was a 1st John or 2nd John or 3rd John in, in that time in my life. If you don't know that, you know now. There are a lot of Johns there in the Bible. I couldn't find it, but I remember the words where it said, Beloved, let us love one another. So it began right there in a group of people that we discussed and talked about the Bible faith. And so what had happened to me in my own heart that Jesus had done was made even more real in the group that talked about it some more. Went to church that very first Sunday there, found a small church there in Albany, Georgia, attended that church, very small group, and I went to Sunday school. I had not been to Sunday school since I was 12. My brother and I refused to go at that point in our life. We said, Mom, we'll go to church, but not Sunday school. She said, okay. So we went just to church. Uh, but I went again for the very first time. I remember discussion there, and they talked about Jesus, had some other things that we did together. We sang some songs. You know, I had to sing a song, as a matter of fact, that first time. A long story about that one. I won't tell it this morning, but that's part of it as well. But in that experience, I think it all began and, and really continued because I've been going to small groups and gathering with people to pray and reading the Bible with people for the now ever since. And I'm convinced if I had not gone beyond my initial faith in Christ to the group, I wouldn't be here today. I would never have been able to survive. My faith would not have been able to survive. My Christian life would not have been able to survive. And the Bible teaches that by offering commandment in a way to gather as a group and how important that is. When I came to Christ, it was in the early 70s. Some remember that. Some have read about that. Some lived through it. Some worried about your kids when they were going through it. But it was a crazy time in this country. You probably already know culture is a powerful, powerful influence on all of us. And it was in those years as well. 
the church was beginning to actually decline in the early 70s. Uh, many young people were not attending church. They were dropping out for all kinds of reasons. It was a time of hippies, time of LSD and marijuana for young people, part of the journey people. It was a time of the Cold War. Vietnam was escalating and also coming to an end. It was a time of Watergate. And many of the major cities in America were burning because of riots. The culture was in a very difficult place. And to, and to resist the culture, to not flow with it, was trying to like standing against a slowly a moving tide coming in. Just couldn't hardly stop it. And it overwhelmed many people. Their life, their families, their marriages, young people, old people. It was a very difficult time. If anything, I think today could very well be worse, if that's possible. Because that was a very difficult time. Maybe today it's not a, a tide coming in. Maybe today it's a tidal wave we're trying to stand against as we think about what Jesus teaches us. And the answer God gives to not only resist uh, the cultural changes, but to live God's way is groups coming together, whether it be a large group like this in worship, or Sunday school, or home groups, or small groups, or families coming together in prayer. That's the, the, the word the, the Bible gives to teach us. And I'm going to read for you today Acts chapter 2, a few verses here. And this is when the church began, really. It, it got started here in these gatherings that made the church happen. Christ had already taught, lived, died, and been resurrected and gave a command to go wait together. And here are some of the things that happened in that gathering or what was part of their life together. Again, chapter 2, verse, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. It goes on down in that verse and also says that, they, that they, they broke bread, they shared together, they praised God, they worshiped, and daily people were added to that group. They came together to worship in that way. How important that is to understand because that is God's order for how we are to live the Christian life and the tools God gives us to be successful in that journey of following Jesus Christ. We're also connecting this series, uh, the history of the, of the Methodist Church, uh, an amazing church, has been for more than 200 years. Church began, as many know, in England that came to America very rapidly. Begin, as I talked about last week, with an experience John Wesley had where he came to Christ. His life was changed. His brother's life, Charles, was changed as well. And, and a revival, he called it that. He called it a revival, began in England, then America. And it's going to change a large part of the world, that one revival and what that meant. Well, there were common... Uh, denominators that Wesley had in that revival that really parallel the Bible teaching. Acts 2-3 says it in a very simple word. It says they were all together in one place. As they came together, they were all together in one place. And there were two driving themes last week, this week, with that early revival that began to really spread by the tens of thousands and later millions in England uh, and, and especially America, first thing is John Wesley's charge to all of his pastors and preachers, nothing to do but save souls. He, he aimed it. We're about saving the souls of men and women. That's what he wanted to do. 
Then secondly, when the church began to form in this country and moved west, in fact, there was a Methodist church in almost every small town in the U.S. because it moved west with the westward movement with revivals continuing called Shouting Methodists back in those days. And the Methodists in making of America, here's a term they used, organizing to beat the devil. Coming to small groups, connecting to beat the devil because this country was in a difficult place in those years. Historically, we may think of it in different ways, but in the early years, this nation was not a holy, righteous place. There's a bunch of sinners in this country back in the early days, if you read about it. Violence and, and so many other issues were going on throughout the country, and the church wanted to bring good news to communities that were often in disarray morally and spiritually. That's what this country was like. Read, read more about it. You'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Then we add the words here that I read uh, as scripture reading, what the church was about, parallels what the Methodist church is about, and where we want to go as a church here, First Methodist Church, several things. First, they centered around in these groups the Bible, as they, the apostles teaching the term used here, but they centered around the Bible. The Bible was that key book that directed them. In fact, John Wesley said he wanted, he wanted to be a man of one book. He talked about the Bible being that book. Uh, they, everyone was together week by week, not month by month or year by year. Every week they were to come together, some form or shape, in worship, in groups, in prayer meetings, whatever it might be. A joyful worship was part of their experience, to worship God in joyful ways. Might be a hymn, a song, a prayer, to share together, telling their stories. Uh, and then new people were added weekly. New people who did not know Christ, who came to know Christ. New folks who wanted to know more about what Christian faith was about, more how to live as God taught us to live, more how to, how to be able to achieve the Christian life, to become disciples. They would be added continually. That's the Bible story, the Methodist story. We want that it is our story as a church. And what we're about moving into the fall season is we talk about deeper with God which is why you see these shirts from many of us every week. And you're going to keep seeing them, by the way. So I do wash them in between weekends, but we have, we're wearing these shirts. This is where we're going as a church. I do not think God made us where we can be effective, successful disciples if we're isolated or alone. We might think we can, but the Bible says we can't. I've already said I'm convinced I would have failed early on without gathering with other Christians, new believers like me, as well as long-term believers who encouraged me, were there for me, and taught me. It was critical in my own journey and still is today and always will be because God says it is. The Bible teaches it. Jesus modeled it. The Methodist Church was formed and shaped by it, and we're heading that way even more than we have in the past. It's always been part of our journey. Now, one of the things that happened in the small groups that, that would meet in the early Methodist church was they would ask, they would know, in fact, they were going to be asked questions by their friends, uh, by their brother and sister Christian who were with them as they looked at the Bible and they prayed together and told their stories. And here are some of the things, I'm paraphrasing really in, in, in the modern language what they were asked. They were asked things like, and they knew they were going to be asked, how is your soul? They would sit with someone that cared about them who would ask them, how's your soul today? How's your soul? Uh, is it, maybe, we might say, is it 
Christ at the center of your soul today or is something else? Are you still on track in your commitment to the Christian life or are you off track? Is your soul dead or is it alive? Is it growing or is it dying? Is it static or is it thriving? Is it sick or is it healthy? How is your soul? And if someone that cares about you to ask you that question, and you know it's going to be asked, we need that accountability to move into the future that God has for us. And again, the Bible teaches this. Again, weekly worship is about that. So there are many other things as well. Second question is, uh, uh, I want you to share your Christian experiences you've had this last week. How is God working in your life? How is God working through your life? Have you served? Have you shared your faith? Have you experienced God and God's mercy or grace in your life? Have you had any personal experiences with God this week? Have you had that time maybe in the garden where you walked and said, God, touched my heart today, or had that time where you got to share faith with someone else? Have you had those times, you know? And that brings us to the place we really want. We need that or we get lost because the culture is so powerful. It will take us somewhere else, and it's doing that to many Christians today. They're missing what really they intended in their, in the, when their journey began. Uh, and thirdly, express personal fears and, and needs. Uh, living an honest faith, I think, is really important. Expressing personal fears and needs, living an honest faith. That should be up there on the screen here pretty quick. Expressing personal fears and needs, living an honest faith. That means, have you dealt with any temptations this week? How, how do you deal with that? Uh, you have any sins you need to confess and say, I've done some things, I want God to forgive me. Uh, have you been hurt? Have you hurt someone else? Uh, where, have you known grace and mercy? Do you need it now? Uh, where's love fit in your life? And, and being honest in this way is hugely important. It's all of our story anyway. And that's, that's what's so odd for me sometimes, that we, we sometimes think that I'm the only one who, who does deal with, deals with temptation, or I'm the only one that hurts someone, or someone hurt me, and the only one that has a sin I need to confess. I'm the only one who didn't, I fell a little short where I wanted it in my life, and that's not true. We're all in those places. And we encourage each other around the truth of our own reality allows us to take the next step and often we're not honest in our relationships, honest in our our Christian journey, honest in our group, maybe even our families. And this allows that by simply requiring it as part of the connection of what we're calling about small groups. We have done, uh, heading into the fall, in our entire emphasis on digging deeper, good, good and beautiful God conference is a piece of that. But we're going beyond that as well into creating what we believe are going to be opportunities to grow around in the ways I'm talking about this morning. So what we have is we have a, a book that's going to be available today, as a matter of fact. Really, it's a Bible study is what it is that processes over a six-week period. That same study... Uh, has explanations inside the bulletin today that tells you how you might connect with that, how you might be a host maybe of, of a study. I'll say more about that here in a second. And on the back, I'll show you who you might target. But, but before I go into detail about that, I want you to look at a video. I'll show that to you now. Have you ever found yourself wondering if there is more to the Christian life than you are currently experiencing? 
Do you ever worry that you are missing out on the best that you believe a life with God has to offer? When you think about love and joy and peace and patience and the other attributes that the scriptures teach us are meant to be cultivated in our lives, do you ever question whether or not you might be missing something? I'm really excited about this new study that we're doing because it's not only a chance to learn about God's love and grace, but it's a chance to put into practice some of that knowledge as we work in community together, but also put some of these disciplines into practice and really gain a deeper life with God. My hope and prayer for you is about more than the six weeks that you will spend together on this journey. It's about your future and sparking a change in you that will be a catalyst for growth for the rest of your days. I'm really excited about the new series, A Deeper Life with God. I know that many people are just craving how to grow into a deeper life with God. And so we're hoping that this series provides not only knowledge about how to grow into a deeper life with God, but also practices that help with that and practices that we can do together. Every significant change that we experience in life is anchored in at least one significant relationship that your personal growth cannot be separated from the significant relationships that have enabled that growth. The goal is a life with God. The goal is living like Jesus, the most generous, gracious, and loving person who ever lived. And by the way, the little man jumping off the, the cliff, he's okay. He's fine. If you're worried about him and thinking, how'd he land? He's fine. He's fine. Um, how many noticed that we didn't receive the offering yet today? Anybody notice that? Are you worried about it? Has anybody been traumatized by our change in the order of worship where the offering is going to be received after the message? Well, here's the reason for that, and we're not going to receive it yet. That's still about 10 minutes away, so ushers and folks can relax at the back. Uh, but we are going to, in a minute, we want you to have an opportunity certainly to give as God's given to you. That's the direction uh, that, the, that Jesus gives us. But also, if you've, if you've thought about it at all, think about it today, you might want to be a host for this study we're going to be doing in the fall. It's a six-week study. Uh, the bulletin inside explains that. It's going to go with our message series, which is called a super series. And that's coming up, and that's getting deeper with God in the fall. Uh, and uh, you're, you're welcome to go along that with being part of a study, either hosting one, uh, which can be any kind of group that you'd like to put together. Uh, and certainly many of you are going to attend one as well. But today we're looking for hosts. Now, on the back of the uh, bulletin, and you can look at that right there, pull it out, you'll see the ideas we have, what, what a group might look like. It does not have to be a church member at all. In fact, we, we think it would be great if you found people who weren't church members, maybe didn't know Christ yet, or were in a place they needed to know more about who Jesus is. So think about family. That means someone could uh, purchase one of the books for each one of their family members, they're going to be they're available at the back of $10 a piece. We're not making money off of these. It's just simply, that's the cost of producing uh, this great study guide for us, A Deeper Life with God. And so you can buy those today if you'd like. We hope, hope that you will. And so for your family, your extended family, kids, grandkids, a brother, sister, whoever, and say, we're going to do this in the fall. Uh, we're going to do it so-and-so time. That's a, that's a possibility for you to do that. Uh, you could say, my friends. You know, it could be any of your friends. It uh, uh, could be uh, neighbors as well, your community, uh, those, your running buddies, or those you enjoy doing things together with. Let's invite them to my house for the study. We have them over all the time for other things. Let's, let's, do, let's do six weeks. It's only six weeks. They can do that. 
people you're familiar with, people in your neighborhood, people who are on the sports team, you, the, the kids' sports team that you're part of, and the, the parents of those kids, you know, that could be it. Maybe your own uh, people you have fun and hobbies with, your, your golfing uh, people, those who do crafting with you, those who go to the gym in your, in your uh the cycling thing, I forget that. Spinning, the spinning things like that. For those, any do spinning in here? Any spinners here? Oh, good. No crazy people in this service. You ever do spinning on a bicycle? That's crazy people. That's really hard to do. But uh, there'll be a lot of younger people at 9:30 who do that. Uh, and work. You can do it at work. Lunch hour. Come early for an hour. Afterwards, or invite your work people to come to your house or wherever you'd like to meet. Uh, and so these are opportunities for you. What we're going to ask you to do today, the opportunity for you today is uh, when the service is over, you'll be able to go to the atrium, and, and Pastor Sharon will be back there. I'll be back there as well. Get back there as quick as I can. And uh, you'll be able to actually go through a briefing. We'll tell you more about this. We'd like you to do, when the offering comes by in about in a few minutes, uh, we'd like you to check in your registration, which I feel you've already filled out, your name and address and all that information, because we do keep track of your presence here week by week, uh, check host a small group. The mean you're going to have to do it, but you'll, we'll be able to contact you and say, let's tell you more about this, and you can decide if it's right for you or not. And because we have the videos that have been done by our church, uh, the book, Life Together, Pastor David Alexander put this together. We have a team that helped finalize it, and here we have it. Uh, you only have to host it, this pretty much drives itself with the workbook. I mean, what am I, what am I telling you? Anybody can do it. You <laughs> have to be a preacher to do this. You can do this and, and reach people for Christ, serve God, grow yourself, help other people grow. You're thinking about it all, check host. You can do the briefing, you don't have to, but you can do that today. Uh, and we'll get back with you about what's going to come next with this. And again, buy your book today and be a part of that and connect with that, and we think it'll be exciting and important for our church family. Now, if you're already in a class that's doing this, like uh, I'm going to be uh, leading the Wesley class in this study for six weeks. If you're in that class, you can still do a small group. You can come to church, do this, and add a small group later on that week. And you'll already be heads up on what's coming, how to do it, what the book looks like, and make it easier for you to kind of lead and get, all, get that together in the weeks to come. Two people can do it. Husband and wife can do this if they want to. Family with three kids can do it. Our two kids are one. Uh, any, any, it can be a group of 50. It could be a group of three or four. Okay, I, I think I've explained that enough. We'll say more about that down the road. Here's what I think this is. It's exactly this to me. Uh, in, in our church, and I've been a part of leading a several major building programs here. This building certainly is one of those building programs. Uh, we built the sanctuary in 1998. It was an amazing year in our church. Uh, and it was a, it takes all hands on deck to make it work. There's no way this building could be here without all the church coming together. Giving is one thing that we have to do as a capital funding campaign goes with that. Planning, uh, building committees, uh, church conferences. It's a process that takes about two years. In that two-year process, we begin with we think we need a new building. And we end, here we are having worship in the building years later. That's exactly to me anyway what this is. We're planning to, to build a church around spirituality, around faith, 
around relationships, around church growth. And doing so, it's going to take all of us to really make it work. This process is going to go on for more than just this. We have two more studies that are going to follow this one and probably ongoing into the foreseeable future. These things that we have done ourselves that we will come together around and move forward until our church continues to change and grow uh, and lives the way God teaches us to live. It's very exciting. And you want to be a part. So, you know, certainly you can come to a group, but today we're looking at you hosting. I hope I make sense out of that for you. Now I want to add several points to move to conclusion today. They'll be up on the screen for you on your message page as well. You can't keep a good revival to yourself. We talked last week about how we come to Christ in our heart and life. We accept his good news into our life. You can't just hold it there. That does not work, and the Bible doesn't teach us to live that way. It's not right. As a young Christian, I, I made my way to church, and I would occasionally bring my friends to church with me. Church I went to scared the pants off of people. I've got to confess, I went to a Pentecostal church when I was a young Christian. So my, the few friends I had who were Christians in that community, that's where we went. I went there, took me a while to get used to it, you know, but my friends just wouldn't come back. Scared me to death. Well, this is very user-friendly. It's designed for your friend to be in your home where you give them a cup of coffee and some Fritos and cheese dip and to come together and they'll say, we're talking about Jesus. How'd that happen? Does that make sense to you? That's what it's for. We'll all grow in this, so we're going to allow you an opportunity to share what's in your heart, people you care about. How cool is that? Well, second thing as well, and uh, some have heard this story, but uh, last Christmas uh, I was invited to give the prayer uh, at uh, the, the city of Mansfield's Christmas party. They give out awards there to everyone for everything, you know. Uh, and there's probably 500 people there at least at that big Christmas party, families and friends as well as those who are uh, city employees. Uh, and I was asked to do that, and I thought I was there because the city manager belongs to our church, Clayton does. And, and Clay was uh, his 30th year of being our city manager in this community. I thought I was there just because I was his friend, sitting at his table, do the blessing. I had no idea something else was going on. Now, getting ready for that, my wife, Rhonda, was more intense than usual. And, and I couldn't figure out why I have, it's not my first rodeo. I've done lots of prayers for lots of events for lots of years. You know, it's just not that big of a thing, you know. But she bought me a new shirt. Why are you buying me? You know, she bought me a new tie to match that new shirt. Uh, she said, Mike, you have to wear your jacket. I said, I don't want to wear a jacket. I'm just going to be up there one minute and say a prayer. And I probably said it exactly this way. I'm going to be up there just a couple minutes, you know, then I'll be sitting down there and it'll be high, you know. You have to wear your jacket. Uh, it, it was later on when they called me up and gave me an award for the Wall of Honor Citizen of the Year in Mansfield that I realized what she was thinking about, you know. And, and so that was what was in her head. My head was, and I got here, my wife loves me, I'm going to trust her. I'm going to put the jacket on, I'm going to wear this tie, okay, I'll wear the blue shirt, off we go. You know, this is about, you know, trusting those who love you. You know, being accountable to those who love you, and that's the next point. Accountability to the people who care about you is a gift to yourself. That's a sermon in itself, by the way, but... 
Accountability to people who care about you is a gift to yourself. You know, people who want your very best, who want God's best for you, who want a spiritual life for you, who want salvation for you, who wants Jesus for you. Those are the people you want to be accountable to. Church and worship, certainly. Pastors, sometimes family, maybe a small group, maybe a class, maybe your own group, maybe somebody else's. That is an essential teaching of the Bible. If we don't follow through on, we become isolated, we're in trouble. And we'll find, find ourselves not accountable to anyone or accountable to people who don't care about us. I say often, if people love you, listen to them. If they don't, you don't have to. You know, find those who do. It's an important thing in our life. Well, thirdly, and, and rounding out this message, obedience to God who loves you is a gift to your future. Obedience to a God who loves you is a gift to your future. And I am convinced the Bible teaches clearly being part of a Christian group is an essential part of following Christ and living successfully a Christian life. Certainly worship is that. There are also other places that come together. Again, it might be as your family. It might be just your spouse. You gather together. Let's, let's do this together as a husband and wife. It might be your friends, your neighborhood. It might be those who, who you play golf with or, or enjoy crafting with or went on the last cruise with. You know, it, it could be those in your neighborhood, this young family across the street and, and this older couple over here and this couple here who, who are new to this country, which is our neighbors, by the way, I described. You know, and how we might come together and how essential that is. There is a reason the early church met together in that culture to live a different way in a world living this way, and it's the same today. I have confidence that in my early years, if I had not connected with other people in the way that I did, that I would not be here preaching to you today. That culture was too powerful. It would have called me back into the movement of that early 70s, late 60s world, which was not a good world and not a good season and not a good life. The new life held me tight with the people that I connected with who connected with me and it changed my future. So what I did then, going on Wednesday night to a small group talking about the Psalms and, and the Gospel and, 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 the, and First John was a gift to my life I'm experiencing today. And I want you to have the same thing. So, now we have a conclusion. We're going to receive an offering today. Certainly put your uh, registration in there as you always do. We do track that. We record that. And we check it often. If I get a note from someone, I check, have they been coming to church lately? Not because I'm saying yes or no about that person. What I'm saying is, I'll know more about you if you've been coming. Well, they've been coming. They, they know me. I know them, you know. It's such a critical thing. Uh, but also, if you'd like to be a host, that mean you have to. But you're saying, I want to explore it. And you'll get that call. And again, you go to the briefing today, which will be in the atrium. Pastor Sharon will lead that, but I'll be back there as well. Let's talk more about what that means coming up in September few weeks from now, and so you'll have time to get ready for that, that super series. And also your offering, which is you give as you receive. That's what Jesus says to do. I found there's no greater blessing than to do that. To give as you received multiplies it all the way around, and that's how life is lived for those who follow Christ. Ushers, come forward. As they come, we'll pray once again. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our gathering today around words like Jesus and spirit and prayer and faith and the love you give us, God, in your Holy Spirit. So we accept 
So we give thanks as we invite you to lead us in our life, in our giving, in our families, in our service, in all that we're about. We thank you, God, for your unlimited gift to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.